Da-da-da-da-dot, wham juice. There we go. All right, we're in it now. We're in it. Yeah, we're officially like that was I don't know who's editing this, but whoever it was, that was that was the start. That was the start. Um, if you haven't guessed yet, it's it's Morgan and Aaron. Yeah. What's up, Aaron? How's it going? Not it's you know what? It's going. Yeah. Yeah. It's yep. been a long week. I am behind in my words. Same. <laughs> but I do have exciting news. And what's up? I just typed the end. What? So I am behind in my words, but because I'm writing a middle grade book that should only be in like the 25 to 30K range at 26,708 words, I just typed the end. Was it done? Yeah. Wow. It was done. So my book is finished. So now I have to write the uh, I have to write a second book, (laughs) which honestly will be good because I can just start. Like it's I mean, I can just pick up with the same characters and a new story, which I think will actually do good things for my word count because I'll be able to get a lot of uh, like, you know how like middle grade series like the Babysitter's Club or whatever. They Uh always spend the first chapter recapping who these characters are so that if you're Mm. picking up book number 73, you know, as your first one, you know what's up. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to get a lot of words just repeating who are these people. I can't believe you just wrote a whole middle grade novel and you're done with it now. Yep. It took me 20 days. Now, is it a good middle grade novel? No, no, it is very much not. That's okay. It has the potential to be, but right (laughs) now it is very much not. So that was why when you were like, I'm desperately trying to get words in, I was like, hey, me too. I'm like 400 words from the end and I would really like to get there. (laughs) Oh man, that's incredible. So how's yours going? Oh, man. Okay, so as of recording, we are on November 20th, which means there's 10 days left of the whole month and Mm -hmm. the whole whole thing. The whole thing. Um, And I am 1,488 words behind. Okay. That's not bad. It's not bad. I Um, am significantly more words than that behind. So you're doing just fine. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm doing all right. (laughs) Like, if you write an extra 100 words a day, you're good. I've been writing about 2,000 words a day the entire week because I was more behind than that until okay. uh, tonight. So uh, as of today, I've written 710 words. So I should be able to catch up and then get myself back down to 1,600 a day. Um, basically, uh, God, this month has been hard. Yep. Just like physically for myself, I've just been extremely tired yeah uh yeah and that was something that you know i wasn't expecting to knock me on my my ass but um and then last weekend i just decided to do a bunch of other stuff instead of writing so Mm -hmm. you know it's uh that went really well for me and (laughs) um and yeah so that's that's basically what pushed me behind um but the good news is aaron i replotted my entire novel twice now oh and, and that's good news. Yes. Okay. So this most recent iteration, I I can work with it. It's good. Like I know how it's going to end. I know what's happening. Like okay. so, I'm I'm ready to go. So the good thing is, now that I have replotted it twice, apparently I um, know what I'm doing. So good. So are you going to just? 
pick up where you currently are and finish it with the new plot and go back and fix any other stuff later? Yes. Um, That'll be fun. Yeah. (laughs) That won't be annoying or frustrating at all. (laughs) Revising this is going to be so wild. (laughs) Yeah, you're not going to hate yourself for that even a little bit. So I figure like... Like, I guess we'll see how long it takes me to finish it. Because I know last year, like, I had my my outline down really solid. And so then I thought that I was pacing too fast. And I was like, I think I'm going to finish the story before I hit the word count. So if that happens this year, then I'll just start revising, basically, and, and fixing fixing it. But yeah, somehow I doubt that's going to happen because it's been just such a slog um, so far. May I suggest something? If you do finish the story before you hit word count, instead of deleting anything, change it to strike through text because you oh. still wrote those words in November. That's true. Make those words count towards your word count. Okay. That's good to know. That's I'll what do I do. That. When I've like written a whole paragraph and I'm like, no, actually, that is not what I wanted to have written. I just strike through text it. Because like if it's like, you know, a word or a sentence here and there, that's one thing. But if I've got a decent chunk of words, like I'm not going to delete 250 words. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as of this point, um, I have a whole new beginning of the story. Okay. It's just sitting there next to the other beginning. <laughs> Good. I started with at the beginning of the month. Cool. 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 I so, love it. I love oh, it. It's a nightmare of a mess, but that's okay. I'm just keeping it all in there. So, Good. um, you know, that's just how I'm doing. <laughs> I had a thought earlier today. Okay. The last time you and I talked on this show was like January. Yeah. Do you remember that we recorded an episode where we were talking about revising and I was going to like submit to a mentorship program and stuff. And then we just never updated our listeners on anything. I do remember that about that. Yeah. Should we maybe offer a little update on that? Sure. I mean, I can't really recall what the conversation was oh, that we same. had in January. Okay, good. Yeah, no. Um, I just, I think that you were talking about revising I and was. sending out to beta readers. And I know that yes. you told somebody that you recorded with Kyle. recently, Kyle, that you had gotten some good feedback and yeah. had one reader who was like, I can't read books with sex in them, which I that was feel, awkward. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I feel like that one's on them. I feel like it was too. I mean, I still feel bad because like, I wouldn't want to be in that situation, so I feel bad for putting someone in that situation, but I also feel like I did give enough warning. Yeah, you so. didn't put them in that situation, though. You you told them that you were writing a high-heat romance. I did. And so they chose to offer to beta read anyway, so yeah. that is on them, not you. You gave them the information. All right, All right fair enough. Your, your book does what it says on the tin. <laughs> It does. <laughs> if they don't if they don't want to pay attention to what the tin says, that's not your fault. That is not my fault. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the funny thing about the show is that we did the first season and then we were like, hey, let's record other stuff throughout the year. And so then we started doing that and then we we're like, mm, no. <laughs> well, so here's the thing, though. I think we would have kept recording had we not ended up in a global pandemic that is still not over. That's a good point. Because, like, we hit a point where we were all just so exhausted from, like, day-to-day existence that we weren't writing. We were barely creating. And what we were creating... Yeah, that was this year, huh? Yeah. that was Yeah, that was this year. (laughs) What we were creating was, like, we were doing, like, playing Jackbox games on the Twitch stream because that was the closest we could come to... 
anything resembling actual new content. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, that's true. That's so wild. Yeah, I um, I actually started another contemporary romance earlier this year. I remember that. It was the one with the food critic, it. right? Yes. And you <laughs> um, abandoned it. Okay. Well, it's not completely abandoned. It's just okay. set aside for now, oh, okay. I guess. But okay. I went back to it, and I didn't realize... I wrote 25,000 words in that book oh, wow. before setting it aside, which is like... That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that is. And I looked over the plot and I feel like the the outline I wrote for it's still pretty solid. I just need to like finish writing it. But um, I don't know what it was. It was a, probably a combination of the impending doom of our country uh, mm-hmm. slash the world. And I don't know what else, but I just was like really over those characters. Yeah. So I set it aside. But then right before November, I was like, I need to write, but not my, on my new project. So I just opened it back up again. And I was like, oh. I like this. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. Maybe I'll finish it next year. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, I spent <laughs> um, the first two weeks of February revising my two years ago nano book mm-hmm. that I had. Pl- so I had planned on submitting to this mentorship program through Romance Writers of America. But then that mentorship program didn't happen because RWA kind of imploded last year. Do you want to talk about that at all? I mean, yeah, we can. There was like just it was it was a lot. Um, yeah, it was. Honestly, I can't even remember all of the specifics because it feels like it was a million years ago, I even know. though it was less than a year ago. I can't believe that happened like this yeah. year-ish, too. Like, that's cr- that's so wild. Yeah, it started up around like in December of 2019. Yeah. And so, yeah, RWA has like an entirely new leadership. My membership was due for renewal in August and I let it lapse just because I wasn't really using it. I bet a lot of people did that. Though. Yeah. Yeah. There were a lot of people who flat out canceled and a lot of people yeah. who let it lapse. And I will we'll we'll see how things look when I feel like it might be useful to me to join again mm-hmm. um, and renew the membership. But for right now, I don't know that apparently that mentorship program is happening again this January. Okay. And I'm kind of like, uh, I mean, maybe. So what I did end up doing was submitting to another mentorship program okay. called Author Mentor Match that is That's typically right. young adult and middle grade. But this year, they it was the first year that they were doing um, adult manuscripts as well. So okay. I submitted my first 50 pages and realized or I got my first 50 pages solid and then and like did my query letter, did my whole submission thing was ready to go and then found in like the fine print somewhere on the website that mentors could request more if they like, like up to a full, if they like what you wrote. So I spent about a week and a half scrambling to revise my manuscript so that I would be able to send it if it was requested. And it was. Yeah, I remember that. I got a request for a full. I did not get into the program, but I feel pretty, Mm -hmm. and I didn't get feedback from the mentors that, I had submitted to, but like one of them was like going through, like possibly moving. She did end up actually moving cross country from Florida to Arizona. Um, But like her husband had lost his job. Where is she? I'll find her. I don't know. (laughs) I mean, in Phoenix somewhere, probably. Yeah. I want to say Phoenix, but I don't, I don't know exactly. Hmm. But yeah, like there was this whole thing where she was like, I'm going to have to like, we got this bomb dropped where my husband's going to be needing to look for a new job and we might be moving somewhere else. And it was dropped like right in the middle of the submissions. So she's trying to read all of these things 
while and choose a mentee while dealing with all of this. So I wasn't really expecting to get feedback from her. Right. Um, and the other one I've interacted, both of them I've interacted with a bunch on Twitter and they're both super, super nice. And I really like them. Um, but that's really cool that they wanted to read. I mean, they wanted to read the full yeah, thing. Yeah. Don't and there were did, definitely that's pr- pretty cool. Yeah. And there were definitely problems with the manuscript that I know mm. there are. And I even said in my submission package, these are the problems that I know I need to fix, but I don't know how. Mm-hmm. So I will have some of my other writer friends read it and see if they can help me fix the problems. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, you know, it can't hurt to go ahead and submit it. And then I Never. submitted the same. I, I did fix some things and I submitted the same manuscript um, to Pitch Wars mm-hmm. uh, last month. And I didn't get a request for more pages or anything, but like, whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's always good to put yourself out there. It, that was that was kind of a whim. I was like, oh, yeah. well, Pitch Wars is coming up and like, you know, the thing's mostly like it's it's revised enough. I can send it. I've got the whole query package, like whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so at some point before between last nano and before that whole write this new book thing. And I think maybe while I was waiting to hear back from AMM, I, I started working on what I thought was going to be the third book in the series. Turns out it's the second book. Last year's <laughs> Nano was the third book. Um, and that's the one with the uh, the house flipper. Yeah, Dusty. the house flipper and the contractor. And yes. it's like an enemies to lovers thing. And I really, yeah. really love the characters. But before I got, I don't remember how much I even have written of that. But I was like getting really into the characters. And then I got sidelined with revisions for AMM. And then, you know, the world exploded. So I have not picked it up since. And I I debated using that as my nano project this year. But I was like, no, I need to do something completely different. Yeah. Are you happy that you pick something that's a lot more low key and low pressure than trying to finish your trilogy? (laughs) Yeah, I am. It's it's been fun to to write this book. I I mean, we all know that my when I said that I was only going to aim for 30,000 words, we all know that that was just me making myself feel better if I don't hit 50. I'm going to hit do. 50 cuz That's your exit strategy, but yeah. Yeah, yeah we we you know. You can hit 50, you just have to write 2,000 words a day for the rest of the month. Yeah, and I can That's easy. I think I can do that. I, I haven't even <laughs> sent any characters to get bagels yet. So, like nobody's oh gone grocery shopping. That's We're, like an untapped well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're fine. Now, I have named a lot of horses. Uh, what What's the longest horse name? Like, which horse name gave, gives you the highest word count and therefore is the main horse? Uh, Santa, I want a pogo stick for Christmas <laughs> is the longest name that I... She goes by pogo around the barn, but that is the longest one that I have come Incredible. up with so far. Incredible. I'm I'm pretty proud of that one. <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah, so it's it's been nice writing something a little bit more low-key like it feels like super no pressure the only pressure I have really felt aside from the word count is that it turns out I don't know how 13 year olds talk <laughs> like the few 13 year olds that I have ac- like access to talking to and stuff yeah. are not maybe like we'll say not like traditional 13 year olds okay. like they don't have phones they don't do snapchat like my friend's daughter, who I see every single day because she's over here doing school at my house, is like, you know, she has access to a phone like the family has an extra phone that the kids use when they're like out and about in the neighborhood just so that yeah they can keep 
tabs on them. Yeah. But she doesn't have a phone of her own. So like she doesn't, you know, when she texts, she texts from her mom's phone. Like she has a couple <laughs> friends that she will occasionally text from her mom's phone to be like, hey, can you, you know, do you want to get together or whatever? And yeah. she's got like, you know, kids messenger on Facebook. But yeah. um, like she doesn't do Snapchat. She doesn't do TikTok. I don't know if most 13 year olds do. I have no idea. Now, I will say Audrey's 12. Like, she just turned 12. So she's a little younger than my characters. But, like, so, like, as soon as her 13th birthday hits, she's going to be like, I have a TikTok now. Yeah, probably. I think so. Yeah, I think that uh, the birthday fairy gifts you a TikTok account uh, when you turn 13. (laughs) Yeah. So, like, she's. You get, like, a letter. Yeah, exactly. TikTok University. Exactly. TikTok (laughs) University. Here's your account. Um, yeah, so like she's 12 and in sixth grade and my characters are 13 and in eighth grade, like going into Mm -hmm. eighth grade, it's the summer before eighth grade. So they are all like some of them, I set it up so that there's a junior show team. So one of the, like, so there's like the 13 to 15 year old show team. And then there's the 16 to eight or 16 to 18 and then once the or I guess 16 to 17 and then and that's like the sh- the teen show team and then there's an adult show team that is 18 mm-hmm. and up um so one of my three main characters has been on the junior show team since the fall when she turned 13 and the other two just turned 13 in the spring and so they have tryouts like the, they have like the summer tryouts for the kids who weren't 13 at the beginning of the school year but now they are so I don't I have to go back and like do some math and figure out if any of that makes any logical sense. Yeah, but I, that's like one of my least favorite things is trying to figure out like, oh, if you were this old when this happened and now you're this old, does that make sense? Or because yeah. uh, I've got just vampire age math happening. Oh, yeah, in my no, book I too. don't <laughs> envy you that because I imagine that is just a lot of, OK, well, this person is 322 years old, which means that if they were 10 when this thing happened, yeah, it, it would have been this year. And yeah, yeah, no, it's it's silly because, yeah, it's just silly. Like, it's all arbitrary at this point because I'm like, I'm not. I'm not yeah. checking this right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's like too much. Do you just type work, in so. a number like take a yeah. best guess? Yeah, yeah. When, when I have something where I'm like, crap, I don't remember what I named the barn manager. I don't want to go back and look for it. So I yeah. just put like brackets and then in all caps, I just type the word manager because <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> that's like my businessman lawyer last year. Yes, businessman <laughs> lawyer. I didn't know yeah. what he was called. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I want to talk a little bit more about revisions. Yeah. What what was your because I know that you had a specific strategy yeah, which I tried and it didn't jive for me. But I okay. Will you talk about that a little bit about what that strategy was and and where you learned to do it and and all that stuff? Yeah. So I found this revision strategy that I will um, make sure that Tracy has the link for so she can drop it in the show notes for this episode. Um, but so basically, it is dividing your story into four different um, segments for revisions. So you've got character revisions you've got plot revisions you've got setting revisions and then you have like everything else i have my book i made to make revisions that way that i didn't use i got really excited about it because it involves like post-it notes and different colored pens and a binder and stuff like that and and worksheets and and that's really cool for my like brain that likes office supplies um so i i did after you told me about it i went out and bought all the office supplies (laughs) and i have all the stuff i got note cards and all this stuff and then i was like 
oh, I hate this. Yes. <laughs> as soon as I started doing it, it just didn't work for me. So yes, uh, yeah. So it's um, it's called Susan's Guide to Revisions, and it's at susandenner.com. Right. Um, so we'll we will drop that link in the show notes. But yeah, so basically, you kind of go through like you assign a color to each of those four areas, and so you're like, okay, all of my setting issues are going to be in pink. And so you go through, you read through the manuscript, and as you're reading through, when you see something that needs to be changed for setting, you make a note in the, instead of like, so it's all printed out manuscript. Yeah. Um, and so you have a list for all of your setting problems. And so you just write, um, I think the code is S for setting. There, This is broken into like six segments. So let me scan through it's something like you mark what type of note it is where it is in the book and then what number note it is right so I, I believe it's like it would be s if it was in chapter one so setting one and then dash three as though that's the third note about setting that you're making yeah yeah that sounds right and then later or well as you go you write that down so you have a list going s1-1 s1-2 etc and so on and you explain yourself why did i make that note in your little binder or notebook or whatever. Right. Sort of explaining what's going on there. Yeah. Yeah. That is exactly what that is. Yes. And so you don't need to necessarily do make all of the changes by hand. I did do a lot of changes by hand just because sometimes I do better when I'm writing by hand because it just uses a different part of my brain. Um, and so I would sit down with my notebook and I would write as much as I could by hand. And then there would be times where I'm like, well, I have to write like a whole new scene. Yeah. And so I would type that in. I would label like as I would like I would type it into like a whole new document and I would save it with new scene one. Page 59 mm -hmm. so that I would know that it's the it's the first new scene and this is where it needs to be inserted. Um, and I, and I had like little, you know, codes for myself where yeah. I would in the, the manuscript that I was physically writing on where I would do like, you know, a triangle with a circle around it was my cue for, okay, this is, and then I would write, you know, scene one or new scene mm -hmm. one so that I know that's mm -hmm. where I need to stick new scene one. But yeah, it was, a, for me, it was a good revision strategy. There were parts of it that I didn't use. Like one of the six lessons is all about like writing a letter to your book talking about oh, yeah and i was like i'm not That's, doing i don't this. need to like visualize yeah my this, success like i already do that enough i'm deluded about it right so. exactly <laughs> yeah exactly yeah so i was like i'm not doing this um also i didn't have time i had two weeks to get my yeah. manuscript ready yeah you busted it out really fast and it's really good that i did that because i got the request for more pages within like the first like it was like the day yeah. after I submitted. So, yeah, yeah. Um, that's great. I, I'm really glad that worked for you. Um, yeah, I think I don't know why I just I wasn't feeling it. I didn't like having to mark all my notes in a separate space, um, I think is probably what was like really screwing with me. That makes sense. So I, I just like to mark up my document, I guess. Like, I don't know if that's going to screw me in the, the long run because I've only gone through one round of revisions on my manuscript. Yeah. So, um, but essentially, I printed the whole thing out. I read it through completely once without making any notes. And then I read it through again and I marked the hell out of it. And then I did all those onto the computer. And then that's when I got stuck and decided to send it to beta readers. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know if that's like 
a good strategy yet, but that's kind of the way that I was working. You know, if so. that's what works for you. I mean, I, I kind of liked having the different sheets of paper with the lists of what needed to happen so that my manuscript, because my manuscript was so marked up with like, kind of like copy edits, line edits, and just adding yeah. new stuff and moving stuff around. Yeah. But the this revision strategy also had you doing stuff on like index cards. I did that and did not find it to be useful for me. Mm-hmm. So like the index cards and post-it notes is not something that this talks about is not something that I will be utilizing in the future. But having the separate list of what, you know, like, what are the problems where I could look at the problem and be like, okay, I know that this is a problem. This character is not fleshed out in this way. Like one of the the things was that I decided that I needed my, my antagonist had originally been female mm-hmm. and I had changed her to male because I didn't want to have like the, the nasty other woman in the office trope. But then I was like, yeah. you know what? It really would work better if she was another woman. And, like, that's just something that, you know, I don't mind that trope, but I had read some negative things about it um, around the time that I was making these revisions. Yeah, there's going to be negative things about every trope. Yeah, and I so think, I was like, oh, you know, well, I'll change her and make her a man. So I did that, and now I'm like, no, I need she needs to go back to being a woman. It, yeah. it will work much better if she's a woman. So I think my plan right now is to... I guess finish another book during nano and then, or maybe not finish it during nano, but you know, get my 50 K and then I probably will send the most recent revision of that one book to like the, the one that I had already revised. I will send that to a couple other people to get feedback on. Cause I have done some revisions, including stuff, excuse me, from beta readers. Yeah. And there are still problems that I just don't know how to fix. So I wouldn't mind yeah. getting some new eyes on it. And also yeah. having some of the original beta readers give it a second pass. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. 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 I'm, revisions are... They're not fun. No, they really aren't. <laughs> That's the work. Like, yeah. writing is so easy, but revising is not easy yeah you know? no right yeah like i would i don't know that i would say writing is easy but writing is easier well, compared to revisions yeah, oh yeah it's like you could put whatever the freak you want on the paper but then yeah. it's like once you have to fix it it's like what you're like, <laughs> like oh what is this? i really <laughs> fucked myself over by just throwing words on the page yeah and i know it's like oh okay so work on writing cleaner and it's like i don't know like i can write clean or i can write fast yeah it's uh, those are my two options and writing fast gets me a finished product. And I, so I think that's what I'm going with right now, yeah. you know? Yeah, so exactly. Yeah. So I know you like to read excerpts. Do you want to do that on this episode? I've got what I just wrote. I I'm happy to read because I kind of, this is like going to be some R and D for me. I, I want to read it out loud so that I could figure out if it works or not. Sure. I just worked on it before the episode. Sure. Yeah. So I will warn you because, and I've told you this off air, but my nano writing is very much like she said this, she did that. Mm-hmm. And I have to go back and add all of the actual 
text in later just because this is the way this is my process. Yeah. So I don't necessarily have an excerpt, but I do have a long list of horse names that I would like to share with everyone. And uh, again, I know you've heard it, but humor me. <laughs> no, but they're so good. <laughs> they're so they're very good horse names. Thank you. I've decided that should be my job. People should just pay me to name name their horses. Just naming horses. Yeah. I really love that. Um, well, do you want to go first or shall I? Um, I can go first so that we can do that. And then you can have we can have like an actual excerpt. Um, <laughs> OK, so I have already mentioned Santa. I want a pogo stick for Christmas, whose barn name is Pogo. We also have I'm an alicorn, not a Pegasus, who belongs to a different barn. She's only mentioned in passing. I don't know what her or his. I don't even know what this horse is uh but i think the barn name is al um, okay. we have the burger king uh one of one of my other main characters is riding a horse named whose barn name is ember and her show name is a last dying ember oh nice um that was the name of my brother's band in high school so <laughs> incredible fun there's another horse mentioned in passing named taylor swift's greatest hits thank you james um <laughs> No, that wasn't James. That was my husband. Oh. My husband was like, you need to name a horse after like a pop star or something. And that was when I came up with Taylor Swift's greatest hits. The thank you, James, goes for, to James for saying that that was an excellent name. Oh. Um, we have Diamond in the Rough, whose barn name is Diamond. Mm -hmm. We have the Dread Pirate Pirate, who goes by Pirate. <laughs> it's my favorite. My <laughs> primary main character for this book, her horse, is, her, his barn name is Apollo, and I was like, what kind of sh like longer, like registered show name goes with Apollo? Well, his name is Apollo Von Pony, <laughs> which is a bad name. And I probably will change it, but not right now. That's incredible. Um, and then I had I had previously named a horse Seltzer because I was drinking Seltzer. Yes. Um, and so that horse's current full name is Seltzer. I hardly know her. But this is a book for children, so I will be changing that probably. That's so good, though. Um, and then there is a horse named Spaghetti and Meatballs who goes by Spaghetti. That's amazing. So naming horses has been very, very fun for me. I have a question. Uh -huh. Because the only horse that my family has ever owned was an ex-race horse. Okay. Um, he actually was an ex-barrel racer. Oh, okay. His name was Lena's Tom Tom. Okay. Because his mother's name was Lena something something, and his father's name was Tom Tom something something. Sure. His name was, we called him Tom. Yeah. Um, but Lena's Tom Tom was his full name, a registered name. And, um, and I'm just wondering, is that, like, do you think that show names are different than racehorse, like show horse names are different than racehorse names? Because, like, I know, like, you know, you watch, like, the, the derbies and stuff like that. And, yeah. and I feel like the names aren't as fantastical as you have given. Sure. But obviously you're pulling that inspiration from somewhere. So I'm just curious. Yeah, it's partly from, like, watching, uh, like, the Kentucky Derby and stuff. And they do have some weird names. But a lot of those. They do. A lot of those names are like what you were talking about with, you know, you take something from the Sire's line and something from the Dam's line. Yeah. And mash them together. There's a yeah. foal at my barn right now whose name is Rumor because the naming convention for her dam's line is you take the first letter of the dam's first name. Mm. So the mom is Reba. 
So baby is rumor. Mom is, I think, pregnant again, which this baby was just born in May. So now a horse's gestation period is apparently like a full year. Damn. So which I feel wild. I know. I feel bad for them. And I feel bad for her that she, you know, had a baby and is now immediately pregnant again. But this baby also will have an R name. Okay. Um, Yeah, I think... You know, I before I wrote this scene at the horse show where I was listing out all of the show names, I had worked a show at my barn in like in the office. And so I was seeing all of the ridiculous names. And some of them are like, this horse's name is Maximus. And others are like, this horse is, you know, Flinty the Super Pony. And there's one horse that I rode whose show name is like Doc Seminole's Dream or something weird. (laughs) And I'm like, that's got to be one where... Like the mom's name was Dreamer and the dad was Doc Seminole. And yeah, yeah. So and I rode a horse named Easy on the Candy, whose barn name (laughs) is Candy. So I think show names tend to be kind of ridiculous in general. Yeah. But yeah, I've also spent a lot of time uh, recently looking at like off track thoroughbreds for adoption. Yeah. Um, And. A lot of them have these kind of ridiculous names where it's like this weird long name. What they tend to do is actually is like mash them together into one word. That's weird. So like there's one that I was looking at whose name is Rhett and Scarlet, but it's all one word. And weirdly, his barn name is Peanut, not Rhett. Does it make any freaking sense? No, and it's not even the word Peanut. It's the letter P and the word Nut. (laughs) So apparently it's bad luck to change a horse's name okay it's like a superstition makes sense it may i guess it does i think if the horse doesn't like the re- the registered show name like the horse is never called that to yeah. know that that's his name so like yeah. to me i'm like whatever change it change it to whatever you want yeah i feel like if the horse is older and responds to his barn name mm-hmm. maybe don't change it just because i feel like that's kind of mean to the Confusing. animal yeah but yeah also like a lot of the time racehorses especially that have been on the track probably don't get called the by any name very often to their face that's true there's probably a lot of okay today you know morgan's riding peanut you know for out in the the exercise track but yeah you know chances are the warm-up riders and jockeys don't necessarily go oh hi peanut how's my peanut and like yeah form a, you know, anything where the horse would have any idea what its name is. Yeah. So I think as yeah. long as the animal doesn't know the name, you're probably fine to change it. Yeah, I think that's fair. If that you're makes, not superstitious. That <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. So I want to well, hear. Thank you for. Yeah, of thanks course. for sharing your great horse name. <laughs> of course. I want to hear your excerpt that is actual writing and not just a list of words that you strung together and said these are names. <laughs> So, okay, so I'm I'm doing something that I've never quite done before, and essentially what's happening is is something horrible is happening in front of this character, and so I switch to the next chapter where she is experiencing this bullet time moment while the horrible thing happens, um, and I decided to just go in and just expand all of the thoughts that could be going through her head during this split-second moment of, sure. of action. Um, so I don't know if it's working or not, but here's, here's what I got. Okay. 
Cold horror bloomed inside her as Callier watched the event in front of her unfold in slow motion. Somewhere outside this dingy basement, she knew, children played knucklebones in the streets. They shouted and laughed as one kid made an impressive and triumphant sweep of the stones. Nearby, tired women did their shopping in the market for the evening. They would go home and start dinner for their families, or perhaps there was already a pot of stew on the hearth awaiting everyone's arrival. Merchants would close up their booths and shop soon, or and shop soon as the sun sank below the horizon. The end of a day would be celebrated for some, and for others, the work would just be beginning. Laris's nightlife would emerge: rowdy taverns, dancing girls, back alley gambling. Hard-earned coin would be exchanged until the sky grayed with dawn. Then the sun would rise, and the cycle would start over again. Merchants would rise early to open shop. Craftsmen would be hard at work serving their clients. Mothers and fathers took care of their housekeeping, and children played in the streets or studied in school or dreamt of the swashbuckling adventures in their futures. Regardless of what happened in this basement, life in Laros would continue. If Seth fell, its inhabitants would carry on, blissfully oblivious to the darkness approaching them on the horizon. Tension rose in Callie's throat as she saw the future for Laros and the cities beyond it. Raylier's small army would grow uninhibited as the vampires bonded mortals to their ranks. Innocent mortals would lose their dreams, their futures, their lives in service of a madman's conquest. Some would fight back, of course. After the city-states caught wind of the impending violence, they would mobilize their troops and march to meet Raylier's forces head-on. Rolling fields would soak with blood. Lush forests would be raised in flame and smoke. Countless mortals would die or live out the rest of their days in bonded servitude, subject to the whims of a few cruel masters. The beautiful land of Aldena, Omelia's land, would be burnt and destroyed in Lord Raylier's name. Then what? Would the forces of a taxi rise to the mortal realm? She saw the lives in Laros, in Evinea, in Spring River, her home, being destroyed by the war. Spring River. Eliabet and Betta and Lore would never know what was coming till it was too late. An omen, a sweet little omen, he would have his future taken swiftly from his grasp. Her family would suffer, and the thought enough was to draw tears. Then, the faces of the downtrodden mortals of Ivanea flashed before her. Faces that reflected pain and fear and hopelessness. Faces that didn't dream of the future any longer. If Seth fell by Nathan's blade, there would be no one to stop the spread of those faces to the rest of the mortals in Aldena. Callie could try, but she knew that she would not succeed. Seth knew both sides and could use it to the advantage of peace. A vampire had to stop the war. This was Omelia's will, Callier realized. It was the goddess's will to cultivate and preserve life in the mortal realm. To preserve life, Seth must survive. To serve the goddess and preserve the goddess's will, she must make sure Seth succeeded in his mission. If she could slow Nathan, if she could stop him, Seth would be able to escape. Her choices lay before her as clear as the sky above. She saw all this, the present that was and the futures that could be, and finally, she saw Tall. Poor, kind Tall. They were a direct product of the dominion that Raylair and the vampires demanded. She saw the winding scars on Tall's arms, the defeated look in their gray eyes. She saw the garden of deadly plants where they had told her their story. I can pick exactly how I want to die, Tall had said. When the time comes and I am ready, I will be the one to make that choice for myself. The time to choose was running out. There was no other way to save him. She stepped in front of the dagger. Ooh. End scene. <laughs> I like that. Thanks. That's really good. And that's just what you churned out in like the 30 minutes before we recorded? 
Yeah, to be fair, though, I was thinking about it all day at work. Okay. So I kind of already had most of it in my head, and then I just had to put it all onto paper. But That's fair. Um, yeah, that felt good to read. So yeah, that was good. I thought that re- worked really well out loud. <laughs> Thank you. I'm going to try to expand it because I want it to be a whole whole short chapter, okay. like a thousand words yeah. or something. So I need to put in a little bit more like speculative, you know, what would happen if this happened? And right. I can imagine this going on and whatever. So, but yeah, yeah. that's what's that's what's up. Cool. With that. <laughs> All right. So if you are interested with interacting with us as a podcast, we are on Twitter at Wham Juice Pod. That is W-H-A-M Juice Pod. But individually, I can be found at Unabashedly Aaron. And I can be found at Morgan Spatola, which is S-P-A-T-O-L-A. We are proud members of the Scavengers Network on Twitter at Scavengers Net. On Patreon at patreon.com slash the scavengers network on Twitch at twitch.tv slash the scavengers network and on the internet at large at scavengersnetwork.com. I think that's all we have to plug, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, if you want uh, listeners, if you want to talk to us or I guess talk at us, please talk to us, call our voicemail and leave us a voice message and we'll play it on the show. And you can call that number is wet, bad, zero hot. Very good. <laughs> it's been lovely chatting with you. I will chat with you again tomorrow night on our date night stream on the Twitch, but... Yes, but for the purposes of this podcast, I will not speak to you until November of next year. Yes, yes. The friendship is uh, put on hold until a year from now, so... That is correct. So until then, happy writing. Good luck trying to hit that 50,000 goal in the next 10 days. I really do think that you can do it, so... Yeah, you too. You can. You're incredible. I can. Yeah. You're welcome. All right. Thanks. Oh, thanks. Wham Juice is a proud member of the Scavengers Network. All of the authors on this show are part of other projects on the Scavengers Network. If you want to go find out about all the other shows on the network, go to scavengersnetwork.com and just take it all in. The Scavengers Network. Creator-driven. Community-focused. Treasured content. PodCube. Podcasts from the past delivered to the future. With PodCube's pseudo-linear 4D adiabatic qubit streaming technology, you can select any point in history and record it for personal gain. What was the group dynamic with Australopithecus? What brand of cigarettes did the Spanish Inquisition smoke? Was Leonardo da Vinci a pants guy? Or a shorts guy? You can discover with PodCube. Listen for yourself to the flagship PodCube podcast, Alabaster's Haberdashery. Recorded on location in 1880. Simply search PodCube, all one word, in your podcast app or visit PoweredByPodCube.com. PodCube, the future is yesterday.